It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchain. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchain. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We just wrapped up two weeks talking about the armor of God. And it really was within the broader discussion of preparing for battle. So this is a series that's been going on for a few weeks. If you've missed that, you can go to calvaryfountain.com. And there we've got a video audio button. Click on that. It'll drop you down to our podcast. You can listen to it again and again and go and share with your friends and family alike. But today we want to continue in the vein of thought that we began last week As we are wrapping up the discussion of the armor of God, we really wanted to draw your attention to the fact that it is absolutely imperative that we rise in the morning with a mission-mindedness and an awareness that there is an enemy out there who seeks to destroy. He is a roaring lion seeking to devour, according to 1 Peter 5.8, so we dare not take him lightly. That means we put on the full armor of God, we pray without ceasing, we implore God for wisdom to guide us throughout that day, and then we need to evaluate ourselves. We need to ask the Lord to look deep within our hearts to see if there be any wicked way within us, if we have broken our allegiance to him and started to live like the world again. In fact, in Psalm 26, 2, we hear those powerful words, "'Examine me, O Lord.'" and prove me, try, which you can say, examine my mind and my heart. Yes, we need to be clear with our agenda, our directives. We need precision, tactical warfare is before us, not just a one-off camp, just a skirmish, if you will, but rather a lifelong battle as we are in this flesh, as we are fighting for the cause of Christ. We know that the battlefield is before us, sometimes right in our own living room, so we need to be prepared. Therefore, we need to examine if there are chinks in our armor and ask the Lord to strengthen us and put on the fullness of that armor. As we were discussing it, we also wanted to bring your your focus into a number of areas because there are ways in which we give the enemy an opportunity to work in our lives. Those chinks can be exploited if not fully addressed. And so there are at least seven that we've been able to discover through a number of surveys and, and assessments that help us to understand that even with believers, 80% of the struggles that we we go through as believers seem to revolve around these seven areas. Let me give those to you again. Life purpose, communication, relationships, marriage, parenting, finances, and sexuality. In each of these, we find that if we're not properly grounded in the Word of God, using it as our roadmap to navigate these areas of our life, we will find that these provide chinks in our armor, an opportunity for the enemy to exploit, to create division in our home, division in our churches, and ultimately to break things apart that God has designed and appointed. So in this, let's talk about today the purpose of life. I know what you're thinking, as I'm thinking, how are we going to do that in 20 minutes or less? (laughs) So to help me in this very powerful discussion as we look at the purpose of life, Dr. Steve Ford is here in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thanks, John. It's great to be back. Sorry, I 
I, I laughed before I was queued up, but <laughs> I just couldn't help myself because uh, I thought that was great. We've already had so much fun today before we ever got started just glorifying God and, and being in his word and, and the things that the Holy Spirit has been teaching us. And Amen. we're so excited about this show. And we were sharing earlier that in my utmost for his highest today, Oswald Chambers was talking about, just as you talked about the various aspects where we can have chink, uh, chinks in our armor and even just the life purpose and communication relationships, marriage, et cetera that if we don't have our armor on, that it can negatively impact those around us, that we're mm-hmm. not standing strong, that the Lord is, you know, at that point, we are not powered up with the Holy Spirit to impact them the way that we could be if we actually had taken the time that day to spend time with the Lord and actually put that armor on. That's right. And I've seen it when I have a weakness from the standpoint of we all get busy, right? I mean, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Right. The demand of the day is before us. And maybe we've got a full agenda and our, our first order businesses, you know, I'm going to get dressed or, or take that shower, get dressed, take my vitamins, eat that breakfast, get right. out the door, right. race to meet all of the demands of the day and have not uh, prepared with the armor of God for whatever is before me. And That's then right finding that, why am I going through such difficulty today? Why am I uh, feeling so spiritually distant and not ready to give an answer for the hope that's in me, that the word is not right there at my tongue, ready to speak of truth into these difficult situations? And, And I find that sometimes my children have a really difficult day, and I'm like, well, you know what? This is me. This right. was on me. I have to own this. The cascading effect of my disobedience that day That's hit right. everybody, right? And, and sometimes the Lord gets our attention that way. It seems unfair, but this is how he properly disciplines us, right? That right. we realize this is a real battle. He didn't ask our permission to do this. If we if we declare that we follow Jesus, we're in it. Right. And this is how we get ready for it. Sometimes you got to jump into the deep end of the pool, <laughs> and right. then he teaches us to swim. Right. right? And, and this is part of that that faith walk, too. And, yeah. and you mentioned it, the, the moments where the, the footprint's in the sand, right? right. Where it's just right. his, his footprints we see <laughs> as he carries right. us. Amen. Um, but we're in it. Yeah. And, and so we got to get bat- ready for this battle. And I think that's why we wanted to talk about at least this number one issue. I think all people struggle with this, believers even, and we shouldn't, but we do, uh, of our life purpose, especially when you look at individuals who have recently retired. Uh, maybe they haven't taken an assessment to figure out what their calling is, their spiritual gifts are, and they're in that season of transition. In fact, there was at one point, I remember Paul Holder at our church talked about this, where as a, in the military, he was serving in the U.S. Air Force, uh, there was a study that had been done where they were really wanting to reinforce that men needed to have something to be involved in That's after right. the armed forces because they were showing that according to this particular survey that of the officers, they had 18 months after retirement, many were experiencing uh, death, yeah. 18 months after retirement, right. because their entire life revolved around that purpose and that mission, and then coming out of it wondering, what am I to do with myself? Is it about my landscaping at this point? Is it about uh, that house uh, or that vacation? Or And then finding that purposelessness was eating them from the inside out, and they, they needed something. And God, I think, hardwires us for that. And this is where the understanding our calling and spiritual gifts is really critical. I do believe that the Lord has given us not only talents, and that can be confused with spiritual gifts, but that when we understand those spiritual gifts and we really do an assessment on that, I'm not one that believes in cessationism. I do believe that as temples of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to be the Holy Spirit, Amen. right? So he's going to do his work through us and we're conduits of his mighty workings. Right. 
And, and so that there isn't retirement for the Christian. Right. There may be a, a vocation that stopped and another vocation that begins in a ministerial capacity, perhaps. Maybe it's on the mission field. And that mission field can be in our own cities. It's somewhere where we're putting our labors forth to the glory of God and his kingdom working. So it's important that we understand this. And before the show, Dr. Ford, we were talking about Ecclesiastes. At Calvary Fellowship, we did a fantastic study. (laughs) I think it was pretty fantastic. (laughs) Uh, We spent a great deal of time in Ecclesiastes, really going verse by verse through it. And in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 12, he says, Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. But you see there, it's quite clear. Fear God and keep his commandments. You're like, wait a minute, that's the whole duty? That's the whole measure of it all? It's like, yes, it is. And really, when we flesh that out, we find that there's such fulfillment in that because really the fleeting treasures here on this earth are exactly that. They are fleeting. They are vanity of vanities. They go away. You, you, as soon as you buy that car and it lasts for a month, you're bored with it. Maybe you're moving on already to the next greatest <laughs> thing. You try to buy the new new iPhone or, or Samsung tablet or whatever it is. Technology is already you know advanced right, further than what you just bought. Right? It's already, yeah, it's already obsolete. Uh, so you can't keep up with fashion. You can't keep up with technology or any possessions of man. And it all breaks down anyway yeah. because it's formed in our image. Everything breaks right. down. And then it, it, it discourages us, and we're off to the next thing. We're bored with it, moving to the next thing. We're never satisfied. Yeah. Uh, but when we know the hope and joy in Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of operating in our calling, there is something so rich and rewarding in that. It's, all of Scripture seems to point to that, when the rich young ruler could not forsake this world to find that which was never fleeting, a, a mind that was never going to be exhausted, the, the rivers of life, the water that would never ceased to fulfill him, he couldn't sacrifice this temporal thing for that which was eternal. And we're all presented with that test. Definitely. You know, and I think about too, what we were talking about even before the program where we're just, you know, looking at this purpose of life and we find this rich depth of scripture that fills every void in our lives when we truly seek to know it and understand it and read it for what it tells us there is something that fulfills the heart of a man. And we often abuse Jeremiah 29, 11, right? right. We were talking about that. Yeah. That, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to give you hope in a future. And yet that in proper context was written to a people who were in captivity for 70 years. God had, had turned them over to the very nation they were trying to emulate. You want Babylon? Here you go. You want to spend money like Babylon? You're going to be a slave to them. You want to sacrifice your own children to Molech? Here you go. I'm going to put you under now as a slave to the very nation that invented that idea of sacrificing their children to Molech. So they came right underneath the oppression of Babylon for 70 years. But in the midst of this, the Lord is reminding them that they have a hope and a future in him, that after 70 years, he has a plan But there is a time of captivity. There's a time of adversity, difficulty, tribulation that they had to go through in that. And we often abuse that verse and personalize it. And there's yet so many other scriptures that really give us more clarity on on what our purpose is. And and so we had tried to break that down even to seven, uh, if we can even try to do that, that there are seven aspects to the meaning of life according to the Bible And so, Dr. Ford, maybe we can go through some of those because our time will get away. Let me just highlight it with two more scriptures here, because Ephesians 2.10 tells us 
For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in, in advance for us to do. Him seeing the end from the beginning of Isaiah 46.10, he already foresaw this. He already pre-planned it, ordained it even. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Those two verses give us a great deal of understanding of purpose so let me highlight number one here of our seven, and then Dr. Ford, maybe you take number two. We tried to break this down, consolidate it to seven at least. I think the first here that we could spend some great deal of time on is to display the glory of God. Number one, that, that's our purpose, to display the glory of God. So among all of creation, only humans were created in the creator's image. So the first of God's blessing to humanity is fruitfulness to multiply, to fill the earth, to govern it, as we see in Genesis chapter 1 and in Psalm chapter 8. And and then we're to notice that the work is a blessing from God, not a curse. So our work is supposed to be a display of God's greatness. And in everything we do, that we're to do it with the right motive to the glory of God, according to 1 Corinthians 10 31. So number one, to display the glory of God. What's number two, Dr. Ford? Number two is to seek the kingdom of God. It's really our first and foremost priority in life is to see God and his righteousness. Scripture is very, very clear. Even in Matthew 6, 33, we see that. And we, we pray according to God's will when we ask for his kingdom to come. And his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We all love that prayer. I know it. Amen. Matthew 6. Pray that pretty much every day. The kingdom of God is about living in truth living in peace and joy through the work of his spirit in our hearts. And that's from Romans 14. That's right. So we have number one, to display the glory of God. And then number two, to seek the kingdom of God. Number three of our top seven list here, to proclaim the works of God. So before knowing Christ, humans live an empty life. I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves here. It's a sinful life. It's a self-consumed, self-gratifying purpose to fill some void in our life. And we know and recognize there is a void, just as the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19 had. There, there was a void he was trying to fill. He knew the law, couldn't fill it, and he was still lacking assurance of salvation. So before we're found in the hope of Jesus Christ and we have declared him as Lord of our lives, repenting of our sin, there is a void we're trying to fill. And so we live very empty lives. But once we trust in Christ through his work on the cross, God sets us free from the slavery to sin and from all that can consume our attention and demands of this earth. We now have a new priority in Christ Jesus and it is he and he alone who saves us from death, and we are given this new identity in Christ to declare the wonderful things he has done, according to 1 Peter 1, 18-19. So, number one, we display the glory of God. Number two, we seek the kingdom of God. And number three, we proclaim the works of God. Number four is to grow in the knowledge of God. Look at all that God has done, Revelation through Scripture. Amen. Through thousands of years to show us who he is and how to be in relationship with him. Oh, amen. Absolutely incredible. I mean, it really is the ultimate goal of our pursuits. It, basically, wisdom and knowledge to understand God, who he is, to understand his gifts and our purpose in him. Amen. Amen. And so we, you know, let's look at it. Here we go. We've just covered the top four here to display the glory of God, to seek the kingdom of God, to proclaim the works of God, and to grow 
in the knowledge of God. And so our desire is renewed always to honor and please him, to bear good fruit, and to know him better, as we see in Colossians 1.10. So the knowledge of God leads us to worship and love him more. I don't know about you, but the more I'm in his word, the more I love just just be in his presence. I mean, Martin Luther said, work, work, work from early to late. I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. His wow. proper alignment exercise, the plumb line was straight for him. Everything else of my vocation takes a distant second place to my worshiping of God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. So number five is to believe in the word of God. You're like, that's my purpose? Yes, to believe it. Because if you believe this, it fundamentally transforms everything else in our lives. So knowing that Jesus is the perfect representation of God, the best thing we can do in life is to believe in him. All right. So Jesus is the word of God. He didn't just speak the words of God. He is the word of God. According to John 1.1, he is the beginning and the end. The Almighty God, as we see in Revelation 1.8. So we not only need to know him, but also to believe in him because faith helps us when we cannot understand. I mean, Jesus himself said that believing in him is the only work God wants from us. Really, everything else is now this allegiance to him. It is a byproduct of obedience to him as we now follow him as methetes. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, the expectation is we will produce fruit because we love him so much. It's not an obligation. It's an output of allegiance. And we see some of that from John chapter 6, verse 29. So as we abide in him, the source of grace and truth, as we read in John 1, 14, we continue to live by faith in the power of God, according to Romans 1, 16 to 17. So believing in Christ means we have everything that we need. Nothing is impossible for God. So there's the top five right there. How about number six, Dr. Ford? <laughs> that is awesome. So number six is to share the love of God. I'm just thinking about Jesus in the gospel of John saying that, you know, they will know that you're my followers by your love for each other. It's so mm -hmm. obvious that we're Amen. supposed to, to share the, the love of Christ with each other as believers and with others. And that just like Moses coming down from the mouth, that we're supposed to reflect that glory, reflect the love of Jesus Christ. And if we keep our eyes focused on him, how can we not reflect that love into the lives of those around us? That's right. So Amen. being able to just maintain that focus, the Bible is so clear telling us to live with the eternal values of faith, hope, and love. We see that in 1 Corinthians 13. These can only be found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we've been fulfilled with God's love, we share it with others through bearing one another's burdens. Like we said, as disciples, we love each other. Mm. We reach out to those around us in need. And even when we talked about the first century Christian church, they, they were able to proselytize during you know, epidemics and that sort of thing by reaching out to unbelievers and taking care of them in love. That's right. You know, so clearly following our Lord's teachings. And then, of course, the importance of discipleship, of which we've talked about a number of times on this show, yeah, and, and right. being disciples of Jesus Christ, following his teachings, because he said, if you love God, that's what you do. You follow his teachings. That's how we show God that we love him, is by following his teachings in, yeah. in true discipleship. That's right. So we're born with that self-centered nature, but thankfully through the, the power of the Holy Spirit, we become a new person. We see that clearly throughout scripture, and we have that agape, unconditional love throughout this life. We learn to reflect that love, to love like Jesus does through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So let's recap once more. I don't know about you. I, I need to recap. I, I, I love my bullet points. So if you're a bullet point listener right now, 
Write these down. These are the seven aspects to the meaning of life according to the Bible. Number one, to display the glory of God. Number two, to seek the kingdom of God. Number three, to proclaim the works of God. Number four, then, to grow in the knowledge of God. Number five, to believe in the word of God. Number six, to share the love of God. You're the extension of his workings in this earth. And it's amazing to me, Dr. Ford, as you just mentioned some of that about how we, the cascading effect of a, we're a transformed life, we're a new creation right. in Christ, and now he chooses to work through us as a conduit of his working in this world. I mean, he could have had angels do that. Right. He could have just done it himself. But, you know, he chooses to use the messengers of the angels, then he chooses to use the servants that conform us to the image of the sun as we're going out and doing this work. It's yeah, amazing. Like that's, you know, about our purpose and feeling fulfilled. There is no greater joy than when you have been a part of what the Lord is doing in your life and you can Amen. just feel him working through you in the life of somebody else. That is just the absolute ultimate joy, that's that right. intimacy and just being part of what the Lord is doing in this, in this world and really being part of his kingdom. I mean, what could be a greater feeling than saying, I am arising today and the God who created all of the universe right. has chosen you. Yeah. And he calls you a royal priesthood, a special people. He calls you by name. And, and he's, I'm going to put myself in you. So not only does he dwell with us and calls us something sacred and special unto himself, and that he has all of these wonderful blessings he wants to bestow on us. All you need to do is read Revelation chapter 2 and 3. You'll right. see 12 right there. Yeah. And one of those includes sitting on the throne of Christ. I can imagine such a thing all the blessings he wants to bestow upon us and that he calls us by name and he says, I'm going to power you today to go out and do my work. That's how important you are to me that I choose to work through you. And number seven, then all of this really comes together with this is to imitate the son of God. So it's this, this culmination of all the goals we have in life here. The sinful desires of humanity seem to dominate everything that's around us. I mean, all you have to do is watch television and and just be involved in any way outside of your home in the culture today. And all you see are immorality and debauchery and heinous evil, toxins of sin before God. And yet, because of his working in you, you get to reflect the glory of God doing his work, imitating the work of the Son, continuing in the mission that he has put that mantle upon you imitating the Lord Jesus Christ, as we see in Matthew 5, 48, were a reflection of God's glory created in his image and being converted by the Spirit into his likeness. Now we see in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. So this is the sanctification process where you are going to do as I did. And in so doing, he is conforming us to the image of the Son to become readied for the wedding feast with the Lamb. That we will finally see or think or act as he has desired for us to be, that we're spiritually matured, consuming of the meat of the gospel message rather than the milk of it. We're matured, readied, eager, with our lanterns full of oil looking right. for his return. So what does all this mean? And and I'll try to summarize it here, Dr. Ford, and anything you want to chime in in our final minute together. But I, I see it as this, that the meaning of life according to, to the Christian faith is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. So in him, the questions about our identity, origin, meaning, purpose, and destiny are all answered with this profoundness, this unbelievable hope 
that is given into the situation of man in our fallen state. We are the beloved children of God, created by our Heavenly Father to reflect His glory, walk in His love, and do His will for our lives. And so this life on this earth is a journey of our transformation to become more like Jesus who's delivered us from evil, sin, and death until the glorious day when we spend eternity with him. And where they, and you might just be thinking right now, wait a minute, that's just a lot to process. Yes, it is. But let me recap here once more. Number one of the seven aspects to the meaning of life to display the glory of God. Number two, to seek the kingdom of God. Number three, to proclaim the works of God. Number four, to grow in the knowledge of God. Number five, to believe in the word of God. Number six, to share the love of God. Number seven, to imitate the son of God. You put all that together and you find that what we read in Ecclesiastes now comes full circle, that we are to fear God and keep his commandments. He has not told you this to operate only in your flesh, to try to do it all, to fulfill all the commandments and to be perfect. No, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, He is transforming you from the inside out, and in this you will learn a holy respect and holy fear of God, a reverential awe of Him as you walk in obedience to Him because you've been empowered by Him to do so, and He is well pleased, to which we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. This is the purpose of life, and this is only scratching the surface, Dr. Ford. I know we're going to have to cover <laughs> some more about this said, next week. Amen. 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 <laughs> we hope you've been blessed today as you're listening to Engage in Truth. Thank you for tuning in each week. Again, this is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.